Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today, we're going to take a look at four or five stories that I got in my email this week because you wanted me to comment on them. So there we go. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in developing the next generation of health leaders, SureTest and Artisite, two great companies. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Having a child with cancer is one of the most painful and difficult situations a family could face. In 2023, to celebrate five years at This Week Health, we are working to give back and we are partnering with Alex's Lemonade Stand all year long. We have a goal to raise $50,000 from our community. We are already at $10,000 for the year and we ask you to join us. We have a drive going this month in February. It's a very simple drive and you are participating just by listening to the show. We average about 20,000 downloads a month of our show. And for the month of February, what we are going to do is we are going to give $1 for every download over 20,000 that we get in the month of February to Alex's Lemonade Stand. So just by listening to this show, you are participating in raising money for childhood cancer. Another way you can participate is to share this show with a peer. Let them know that you get value out of listening to not only this show, but Town Hall and the conference show as well. And when they subscribe and download the show, they will be a part of helping to raise money to fight childhood cancer. That's what we're doing for the month of February. If you wanna skip all that, you can just go to our website. There's a link at the top of the webpage. You'll see Alex's Lemonade Stand logo up there. Just go ahead and click on it. You can give your own donation right there on that webpage. Leave us a note. We would love to thank you for being a part of it. All right, five stories. We're going to move quick. U.S. Senator probes ascension, alleging it operates like a private equity fund. Senator Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin is probing St. Louis-based ascension, which operates 33 facilities. All right, let's take a look at why. She sent a letter, said some things. Let's see. The letter was inspired by recent local reporting that illuminated long wait times, surgery delays, and staff concerns about patient safety at Ascension Columbia St. Mary's and the closure of labor and delivery unit at Ascension St. Francis, both in Milwaukee. Ascension and its physicians, nurses, and caregivers are proud of our mission to provide care for those most vulnerable, so forth and so on. That's their response. As a nonprofit tax-exempt health system, Ascension is required to serve public interest and benefit the communities it serves. However, Ms. Baldwin wrote, she is concerned that the opposite is occurring, that by operating like a private equity fund, Ascension is squeezing staff, closing facilities, and extracting cash from its member hospitals for dubious management fees, all to advance its investment activities and provide compensation to its executives. Ascension Capital, the health system strategic investment initiative, lost more than $750 million in the most recent financial quarter, which is around $200 million more than Ascension put towards charity care in the same time span. So they lost money. So the argument is they lost money, therefore they should put more money towards charity care. I'm going to keep going. At this at this year's J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, CFO Elizabeth Foshage highlighted Ascension's $18 billion of cash 
investments. Ms. Baldwin wrote, the number raises questions about why Ascension, a mission-driven health system with nonprofit status, is not prioritizing reinvestment into serving vulnerable communities and its own operations, which should include increasing pay and improving working conditions for its burned out and overextended healthcare workers. Uh, there's nothing here. There's nothing in this story. They're going to look at them compared to other entities of its size. That's a very small amount of cash to have on hand or in an investment portfolio. And uh, Ascension and all the rest of these nonprofits do provide an awful lot of charity care. And when this comes in front of people, they will be able to highlight that. So at the end of the day, you can't continue to lose money from operations and be a viable entity. This is going to happen more and more. More and more health systems are going to close down certain aspects of their their delivery that is not making money. And we're going to see politicians, we're going to see community leaders and whatnot uh, get upset about it. But at the end of the day, they're not making money and something has to be done about it. That the challenge needs to be addressed. All right, number two, a leap towards universal interoperability. Epic gets approval to join TEFCA. Epic Systems has approved, been approved for onboarding to join the Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement. If you want more information about that, we've done two episodes on that. Uh, we've done it with, oh gosh, Mickey Tripathi. And I forget who the other, uh, we did another one. Anyway, you could just search for TEFCA on our website and it'll pull up the various episodes. Providers in the Epic community have led the nation in health information exchange for more than 15 years. Matt Doyle, interoperability software development lead at Epic, said in a February 13 release shared with Becker's, our support of HHS on this historic milestone will expand information sharing and create a single on-ramp towards universal interoperability. The HR giant originally announced that it was planning to join the organization in June as an inaugural qualified health information network. Epic has also collaborated with the office with ONC for the Sequoia project. That's who we interviewed, the head of the Sequoia project, and others to build the principles and procedures of HHS-sponsored interoperability. Epic has a lot of records. This is a good leap forward in terms of having the, the health record available at the point of care, wherever that point of care happens to be. We, I would still like to see more of that data in the hands of the consumer. That's my so what on that. Next story, Oracle says terminating VA Cerner EHR rollout makes no sense. I did a poll earlier this week, my Monday poll for this week, which was uh, kind of a fun poll. Got a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting back and forth. And that's always my intention, right, is to get the conversation started and get people to, you know, start... Uh, start commenting on, you know, what's what's going on in the industry and whatnot. The poll was, you know, given the investment and everything that's going on with the uh, VHEHR EHR project, should they stay the course, more oversight, change leadership, cancel the project? And it's interesting. 24% said stay the course, 14% said more oversight, 37% said change leadership, and 25% said cancel the project. And so this one is Oracle's response to cancel the project. Ken Gluick, G-L-U-E-C-K, Executive Vice President of Oracle, urged Congress to continue to support the Cerner EHR rollout at the Department of Veteran Affairs after legislation proposed two bills, legislators proposed two bills aimed at scrapping the entire project. He wrote on February 10th, Oracle blog post that scrapping the Cerner rollout 
which has been ongoing since October 2020, will take healthcare for veterans backwards as the move would cause the department to revert back to a legacy VA EHR system. The point of the modern EHR is so that interacting with the health record is as easy as interacting with a Starbucks barista. Mr. Gluick also pointed out that the bill uh, calls for putting some VA centers on a more modern EHR system while leaving the rest of the VA's legacy EHR system VISTA in place. You would create an untenable patchwork. I would argue they already have an untenable patchwork. And part of that is politically driven and part of that is driven by the fact that, and I talked about this on an earlier show, the reason Epic is successful in their rollouts is they are highly prescriptive. They come in and say, a successful EHR rollout will look like this. You will do these things. And they essentially say, if you're not going to do these things, we're not going to give you our software. We're not going to let you use our software because we're not going to be part of a failed implementation. Now, Cerner Oracle did not have that approach, never has had that approach. And it's like, hey, we can morph our stuff around your dysfunction, essentially. Well, the VA is dysfunctional. They have fiefdoms across the entire country. It's not a single unit that operates the same way. They don't have the same buying standards, the same equipment and all that stuff, or even procedures or operating procedures in all of their VA centers. It's all over the board. And if you're going to allow people to have that level of autonomy across a 10, 20, I mean, we had 16 hospitals. If If we allowed that level of autonomy, we would have failed in our EHR implementation. And we didn't do EPIC, but we drove an awful lot of uniformity in the practice of medicine. We were trying to reduce uh, the variability in the delivery. We tried to reduce the the steps and the procedures and those kinds of things. You have to do that. And that takes strong leadership. It's very hard to do. And you don't make a lot of friends in that process. And the people that you are standing toe to toe with know a lot more about healthcare than you do. But at the end of the day, you know a lot more about implementing a successful enterprise wide system than they do. And there's somewhere in the middle that this whole thing comes together and works like magic. And so if you're not going to be, if you're not going to take on the dysfunctionality and the and really address the variability across the entire system, you could implement anything. It's just not going to matter. You have to take on the the challenge, the political challenge, and the disparity across the entire system. That's one of the things. One of the reasons that uh, a successful EHR project on the other end leads to a much more efficient healthcare organization. All right, I think I'm going to stop with this one. That's enough. Uh, why Navant charges for my chart messages and UNC Health doesn't. To bill or not to bill my chart messages, two North Carolina health systems have different answers to that question. Winston-Salem-based Novant Health decided to charge for the patient portal messages after an influx of them in recent years, while Chapel Hill-based UNC opted against it after evaluating the pros and cons, according to the North Carolina Health News and the Charlotte Ledger. We believe that charging new fees wouldn't significantly reduce virtual messaging, won't help physicians manage the requests for information more efficiently, and will likely make patients unhappy, said the chief clinical officer of UNC Health. Still, Novant has billed for less than 1% of my chart messages since the charge went into effect last July for an average charge of $10, according to the story. The fees only apply to new healthcare complaint or a problem that hasn't been discussed recently. 
So there you have the two sides of that. I could go either way on this, to be honest with you. If if I'm looking at it through the lens of the clinician, they're overwhelmed. We have too many messages coming in. So one of the easiest things is to create a barrier. And that barrier is, hey, you might get charged for this message. And then people will think twice about it. On the flip side, is that going to create some level of friction for people to access care? And that conversation needs to happen. My, My coaching on this is get the data. Get the data, do a pilot, get the data, do surveys, get the data. Surveys are not nearly as complete as pilots because pilots actually show you if if there is going to be reticence to use a system or not. So two different approaches to using my chart messages, definitely worth pursuing either one of those, or at least knowing why you're doing one or the other. That's all for today. If you know of someone that might benefit from our channel, you could do us a great favor and shoot them a note. Let them know that you are listening to the show and that they can subscribe wherever they listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher. You get the picture, we're everywhere. And if you can't find us there, go ahead to our website, thisweekhealth.com. We want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders, SureTest and Artisite. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.